Hello, everybody. We're doing a bonus episode this week. Today is Thursday, April 16th, 2020. We're doing the bonus episode because we have updates already since Monday that we think are important to our constituents, and we want to make sure we get the word out. Let's jump right in. By the way, this is Marla Spindell, Executive Director of DC Kin Care Alliance, and I'm here with my colleague, Stephanie McClellan, Deputy Director. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to go through this pretty quickly so that you can get the updates and move on with your day. I hope you have a nice day. Today is not a rainy, windy day. It's a sunny, windy day in Washington, D.C. So, Stephanie, we have an update on the housing protections for D.C. residents. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we know as far as evictions? Right. I just wanted to clarify a little bit about what tenants' rights are during the public health emergency. Just to go over briefly what can't happen to you, you cannot be evicted, you can't be charged late fees, and your rent cannot be increased during the public health emergency. However, landlords still can file eviction actions against you during the public health emergency, but the court is currently closed to the public and currently no court dates are being set before May 15th. Great. So even if the landlord were to file a case against you and you got a notice of that or service of that case, you know that nothing's going to actually happen until after May 15th, correct? That's right. You won't have to go to court, and even when you do go to court, you cannot physically be evicted from your apartment or your home until the public health emergency is over. Okay, I think that's really good information. Thanks, Stephanie. And what about the federal stimulus money? I heard there's some updates from the IRS on that? That's right. For the stimulus money, everybody gets $1,200 if you make under $75,000 a year, and you get $500 per dependent that is age 16 years old or younger. If you filed your 2018 or 2019 tax returns and the IRS has your bank information, you don't need to do anything. That money is coming straight to you. If you filed your tax returns, but the IRS doesn't have your bank information, or you don't file tax returns at all because you don't make enough money, go to irs.gov and click on Non-Filers, Enter Payment Information here. You can enter your bank information so that you can receive your stimulus money by direct deposit, and it's important to know that it doesn't have to be a traditional brick and mortar bank. This can be an online bank. What you need is a routing number and your account number. You can even use Cash App, which can be downloaded to your iPhone or Android. If you get Social Security or SSI, you don't need to worry about filing a tax return. You will get your stimulus money the same way you get your Social Security or SSI money each month, whether that's via direct deposit or on a debit card or by check. So really, somebody could put in their information for Cash App to get their stimulus payment paid there? I didn't know that they had that function. Yes. If you download the Cash App, you will be able to get a routing number and an account number 
which is the information that you need to put in when you go to irs.gov. Oh, that's great to know. I'm sure a lot of people would want to do that. And as far as what you should put down, I know that I actually went in and looked at how the direct deposit works. When you go into the irs.gov website, it asks you to provide a routing number, and there are two types of routing numbers that banks have. One is for wire transfer, and the other is for direct deposit or electronic checks. So definitely use the one that's for direct deposit or electronic checks, not the wire transfer routing number. So I also heard, Stephanie, that there's some updates we have for people about TANF and SNAP and Medicaid and the DHS ESA service centers. That's right. You can still apply for benefits like TANF, SNAP, and Medicaid going to the website online at dhs.gov or you can print out the application and drop it off at an ESA location. The only change is that two of the five DC ESAs are now closed as of Monday the 13th, and that's the Anacostia location at 2100 MLK in Southeast, and the Fort Davis location at 3851 Alabama Avenue Southeast. There are three remaining ESA service centers that are still open. And those are the Congress Heights location at 4049 South Capitol Southwest, Taylor Street at 1207 Taylor Street Northwest, and H Street at 645 H Street Northeast. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. So I heard, Stephanie, that recertifications have also been suspended during the month of May and not just April. Is that right? That's right. Originally, if you needed to recertify for any of your benefits like TANA, SNAP, or Medicaid, that requirement was suspended for both March and April, and that has now been extended so that if you need to recertify for those benefits in May, don't worry about it. You're still going to receive those benefits without having to recertify. Great. That's really important to know that people won't have to worry once we get into May since it seems like we're going to be still dealing with this in May. As far as unemployment benefits, I know we had talked about the fact that independent contractors, freelancers, gig workers, etc., could apply for that, and that was a new benefit under the CARES Act. But we also understood that the DC unemployment claim system wasn't set up yet for taking applications from those individuals. Do we have an update on that, when that will be available? We do. I don't know if it's official, but I have heard from a source at the DC Council that the website is supposed to be able to accept applications for independent contractors and gig workers by April 28th. The good news is that you don't have to keep checking. If you send an email to PUA at DC.gov, they will send you an email as soon as the site is up and ready to go for you to apply as an independent contractor or a gig worker for unemployment benefits. Great. That's really helpful. And if you're a relative caregiver listening to this or you know of other relative caregivers that want to apply, 
they can call our helpline at 202-505-5803, and we can definitely help them to walk them through the steps of applying for unemployment. So we have a little bit of additional information on accommodations for the grandparent and close relative caregiver program subsidies. We talked on Monday about the fact that you can now email your application into cfsa.kinfirst at dc.gov rather than having to go into the CFSA offices to submit it. You may now email it after you complete it. In addition, once you have completed it, you will need to still do fingerprinting, and that will need to be done either at the CFSA offices or you can request for them to come to your home to do fingerprinting. Once you're approved, you will be able to sign the subsidy agreement through DocuSign, or if you don't have the capability to do that on your computer or the technology that you have, you will have to go to the CFSA offices to sign it, and then you will need to also go to the CFSA offices to pick up your debit card when it's issued and sign for it. If you have any questions about completing your application or submitting it, you can call 1-866-FAMKIN1, which is 1-866-326-5461, and someone from CFSA should be able to help you. We've been told that all the CFSA staff have been trained on these procedures. However, if you call and you are not getting the information that we're relaying to you from CFSA staff, feel free to call us on our helpline, 202-505-5803. We're also very happy to help relative caregivers complete their applications and submit them and be available in any other way to assist with ensuring that you can get this subsidy during the public health emergency. As we noted on Monday, the six-month eligibility period has been permanently eliminated. So the minute a child comes into your home, you're eligible to apply for the grandparent subsidy so long as you meet the other requirements, such as having applied for TANF, and that you have income at 200% or below the poverty line, and that the parent is not living in the home with you. Again, if you have any questions about this, please give us a call. We're still following up with CFSA to see if any other accommodations can be made during this time, and to ensure that their website is up to date, explicitly shown on the front page of their website, and also on the grandparent and close relative caregiver program pages on their website. The other little glitch is that, unfortunately, there are four to five different pages on the CFSA website with different applications that have different dates on them, and so only the application with the date of April 2020 on the bottom right-hand corner is the current application. They're trying to fix this so that they only have the current application on their website, but to date they have not been able to do so. The best way to find a current application would be to go to our website, dckincare.org, and click on subsidy applications. We have the current applications on our website and available to download. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention, Stephanie? 
just if our listeners are wondering why the debit card can't be mailed to them instead of having to go down to CFSA to pick it up, <laughs> or if they're wondering why the fingerprint requirement hasn't been waived during the public health emergency, we also have wondered those same things and have asked CFSA about it and are advocating for those things to be changed to make it easier for our relative caregivers to access these benefits. So far, we have not received any answer to those questions that we think make sense in light of the public health emergency, and we're going to continue to push CFSA to make appropriate accommodations that protect its constituents during this time. So I think that's our update, and I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. We will be back soon to give you more updates and more information. One other note is that we do have an updated Q&A on our website, which is dckincare.org. If you click on the COVID-19 Resource Center, we've uploaded an updated version of the Q&As that provide this additional information. We hope you have a great day, and you'll hear from us soon. Take care.